And welcome to Inside the Squad. We have a great podcast for you this month. We invited Mayor Zworski to speak with us about all kinds of topics, police work, uh, city of Lafayette and how it's progressing. It was it was a great talk. I learned a lot, learned a lot about him, learned a lot about how the city, his plans. So uh, stay tuned. It is very entertaining, very informative. Enjoy. All right, let's kick this off. We appreciate you being here, sir. Thanks for having me, Ian. Absolutely. So uh, how are things going? How's your day going? Well, you know, it started off pretty good. I uh, got a lot of work done this morning, then I went and did a workout, and, you know, that was a little bit tough because some of the company I had to keep, but other than that, it was all right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he gets after it. we got to get Patty up there next. <laughs> what, to take pictures? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. And then, and then we'll slowly work you into the workouts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right, in my spare time. <laughs> Deal. Deal. No, we appreciate you being here. Uh, I think it'll be a good, good talk. I think the listeners, there's a lot to learn from you and about you. And uh, I know I have a lot of questions. What about you, sir? You have a lot of questions? I just want to throw out there, Captain Phillips is still here. So I keep joking with him. Since his promotion, I thought he would be gone but because uh, captains aren't allowed to have fun. And he's still here. Yeah, you thought I was going to find someone else to do the podcast, didn't you? I did. Uh, I did. Uh, well, I just enjoy your company, Ian. <laughs> Got to be that tip of the spear, right? Right, sir. Keep, keep it going. Absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. So uh, you were a police officer. Yes, sir. Can you tell us about that? Tell us about your career. Well, I started off, you know, as one of those kids, I think, that was uh, pretty lucky, actually. I knew I wanted to be a policeman from the time I was about in, in eighth grade. And uh, I went to a state police career camp and uh, wrote a little letter to the Kiwanis to help get the $25 or whatever it was back then to go. And I went to a state police career camp. And after then, I was just hooked. I mean, I, I knew that's what I what I wanted to do. And so uh, went on through high school, played some football and some sports, ended up over at Ball State to, uh, to play football and then also study criminal justice and uh, corrections over there as I began to, you know, work towards achieving that goal of being in law enforcement. And um, I made a, a little bit of a detour along the way. I uh, ended up going down to Houston, Texas for just about two years, and I was a policeman down in Houston. Um, they were, um, they, Houston was booming back in the early 80s, and uh, they were sending police recruiters and videos and old you know, not like the videos we do now, but they were sending recruiting material around to colleges and people that uh, that had criminal justice programs. And one day, some of that was set up outside one of the classes I was taking, and I started looking at it, and, and they had like mounted patrol and motorcycles and guys SWAT teams, and I said, "Man, that that's for me." And lots so, of cool stuff. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. So. Uh, I loaded up the car and headed down and took the uh, the tests and stuff and uh, ended up uh, being down there for a couple years. It was a, a good experience for me, quite honestly. I, I saw things that, uh, you know, I really didn't even know existed here in Lafayette. It was a big department. and uh, So if you don't mind me interjecting, such as what? What did you see down there? That Well, they had uh, both years I was there right around 700 murders oh, wow. a year. And, uh, wow. you know, there were motorcycle gangs there like the Hells Angels and the Outlaws and, and different things like that. There was a lot of uh, just traffic accidents. There were, there, you know, we were very, very busy. And uh, just I didn't, 
I saw the way that people treated each other that I really hadn't hadn't seen before. But with that being said, it was a great learning experience, right? They have a very long academy. Even back then, it was 18 or 20 weeks long. And, really? Uh, um, very hands-on. And uh, so I got a lot of good training, met a lot of good people, um, you know, learned uh, – how to do things. Uh, patrol did a lot of things because it was tough to get detectives. Houston by square miles is one of the largest cities in the country. So it's very, very, very large. And I worked out of the um, uh, North Shepherd substation on West Little York. And so just to give you some idea, it was the busiest uh, substation in the city. And we were in District 6. So you had uh, District 6. We had 6-boy 10, 20, 30, 40, 6-boy 50, 60, 70, 80, up to like 90. And those were investigators. And in the net, you had 6-boy 10, 6-boy 11, 6-boy 12, 6-boy 13, 21, 22. So lots of calls. Um, but I learned a lot of things. And I also saw, um, you know, people from a lot of different nationalities that I hadn't seen before and people that spoke different languages and things like that. And so it was a, it was a good learning experience for me. Yeah, it sounds like. So that was in the 80s, you said? Yeah, so that was, I went down there in 81. I came back. Lafayette had an opening in, in 83. So I hired back on here in, on March 5th of 1983. And, uh, you know, like everybody, I, I didn't have to go to the, well, I didn't have to go to the whole academy and got to kind of do an abbreviated uh, field training program and uh, um, started off in patrol. And uh, within a couple years, I had made detective and around four and a half, five years made sergeant. And uh, as you know, worked up the lieutenant and, and retired at the rank of captain and uh, just absolutely loved my career at the Lafayette Police Department. You know, that's, like I said, that's what I grew up wanting to do. I would have never, I wouldn't have changed that uh, for the world. Um, I enjoyed all the divisions that I worked in and worked in just, worked in every division, detect, except traffic. I worked in detectives and I worked in patrol, administrative services. I did day shift, evening shift, night shift, sergeant of um, in detectives, lieutenant of juvenile, lieutenant in patrol, lieutenant in administrative services. So I, um, you know, I enjoyed doing different things and really learning all the aspects of the police department. Uh, was on the SWAT team, commander of the SWAT team for several years, commander of the civil disturbance unit for several years, in charge of the FTO program. For several years, I was a firearms instructor, instructor, and evoc instructor. So I, I stayed busy, and I sent myself to a lot of schools. Quite frankly, I really wanted to learn as much as I can, and uh, uh, you know, kind of wanted to, in my hometown be able to do all those different things. And uh, like I said, I wouldn't change it for the world. I loved the people that I worked with. I loved the camaraderie on the department. I loved being part of the community. I uh, was in charge of security for several years for out at Jeff High School and for the Lafayette School Corporation. Uh, if I remember correctly, when we started, I started off, we made 16700 I think, my first year, and got $5 an hour for walking around the mall, nice. keeping an eye on things. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And uh, 
I was glad I was very engaged when I was on the department and yeah. I was willing to transfer and do different shifts. And I, I you know, it was a good, uh, it was a good experience for me. So did you have a question? I thought you were going to. No, I, I just, when I got hired, uh, Mary Rozorski was my captain in patrol. And, and I, I did not know that you had spent two years at Houston PD. I didn't yeah. know that about your career. So, so, so to um, go back to there real quick, what brought you back? Like, why did you decide to move back? Well, I always, I always wanted to be back here in my hometown, and uh, uh, that was always my goal. But they were hiring, and uh, uh, at that particular time, and uh, you know, that was a, I could use the money, and the pay down there, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for people to put it in perspective. But I think it was about. It's been a lot of years ago, like. Mm-hmm. Twenty-four, twenty-five thousand dollars a year, and man, I thought I'm gonna be rich. But the cost right? of living, though, yeah. right? Yeah, the cost of living was higher. I, I, but I didn't think about that at oh. the time, right? I <laughs> yeah. didn't, even, didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. I was going to Texas, right? You know, and uh, but I thought, oh man, twenty-four, twenty-five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I'm rich. So uh, went down there, and 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 it was good money, and and it was very busy. So. Basically, any night that you wanted to, you could work overtime. You simply came in, you got a different colored worksheet uh, that you logged your calls on, and uh, then your primary shift color that was a different color, and so you'd turn it in, and uh, you know you could work a lot of overtime. And so I also worked a part-time job down at, in downtown Houston at a hospital complex. It was the uh, Texas Children's Hospital. Uh, the Texas Heart Institute and, and St. Luke's Episcopal, and it was kind of joined together. It was a tower, maybe 20 stories tall, if I remember, and um, they were paying thirteen fifty an hour for part-time work. Wow. And I really thought I was rich. Now, so, was that an, an actual police officer, like a police agency inside the hospital? Yeah, yeah. they hired all off-duty Houston police officers to uh, help there at the hospital in the emergency room, make sure people got to their parking, their yeah. cars in the parking lot safely and stuff. And so it was just, uh, you know, it was an opportunity to, to do what I wanted. It was opportunity at the time. I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. And it was at that time, really, I saved enough money to basically come back, buy my first house and stuff here in, in Lafayette over off Greenbush Street on North 28th. And uh, so it, it, was a, it was a good experience, but I always wanted to be in my hometown. I always wanted to be, uh, you know, a policeman there. And I had a goal uh, as I got started, I wanted to be the, the chief of police someday, and I didn't quite make that. I, Like I said, I got to the rank of captain, but uh, uh, people joke with me now, say, well, that's okay. You get to appoint the chief now. There so, you go. So it, <laughs> it, 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 worked, it worked out in its own way a little bit. So. so what is it that, looking back on your career, that you miss the most of not being a police officer? Well, you know, a lot of it, I really do uh, miss the camaraderie and that that sense of of team that you have when you're working the night shift with people or you're a group of detectives working a homicide together or a serious uh, rape case. You know, for many years, uh, I worked with Jerry Loy, John Withers, and then, of course, John's dad uh, in juvenile, did a lot of the uh, child abuse and child molesting cases, worked on the Joe Trueblood case where he... um, you know, murdered his girlfriend and the two small children and, and Stephen Polarski case, Stephen Smith case, some of those. So that, that, that uh, camaraderie with the, with the people that you're working with to solve those cases, to bring justice to those victims. Uh, and I also just honestly enjoyed that stuff. I enjoyed the, uh, the, the 
challenge of trying to solve a case of, of bringing justice up to get it through the court system um, and you know I know when people hire on we say, what are you why are you hiring on well uh, I want to help people and that's always true but you know when I, I even told them when I interviewed but I like excitement I like action <laughs> I want I want the action of being on a police department that I want every day being different you know I, I like risk and um, so I wanted, I kind of want, I wanted a job that would do all of that. And I wanted a job where I could do that, uh, in my hometown. So really the, the people and that camaraderie, but also the challenge of solving a case, you know, and getting somebody to, to confess or winning that case in, in court and, uh, or catching somebody in a foot pursuit and things like that. Uh, um, you know, I, I miss that, um, I was telling him the other day when, when the situation out at Brady Lane happened with the storm, you know, we just kind of set up a small uh, command post there just to get organized. But just the, just doing that, I, I like incident command. I like being in the command post. I like making decisions on allocation of resources and equipment and manpower and even the financial accounting piece that comes with tracking that stuff. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was what I wanted to do, and it was right for me. So clearly that, that drive, even after retirement, doesn't go away. It's still there. No, and I'm blessed. I mean, you know, how, how lucky can one person be to, um, you know, be a police officer in the community that they love and, and do that job and then be fortunate enough to all become the mayor and, uh, and, and still have that relationship? I think, you know, a lot of people ask me, do I miss police work? And I say, you know, there are aspects that I miss it, but I don't. I don't have that ache, and I think it's because I'm still involved, right? I see you guys, not every day, but most days. I see lots of policemen that I worked with. I still have that interaction. I know what's going on. I walk down to dispatch. I go over to records. And so I didn't have to kind of go through that huge separation that some people go through when they retired. Um, I, I always joke I bought a new chair in 1999 when I became the captain. The department bought me a new chair for the office. And then when I became the mayor, I just pushed it across <laughs> the hallway and I kept the same chair until last year and finally got a new chair. I'd had that wow. chair since 1999 and it finally couldn't hardly set in it anymore. So I got a, I got a new one, but I just pushed that chair across the hallway. And, and so I still felt like you know, I had that that connection to the department, and uh, you know, all kidding aside, I, I, earlier I was joking about working out, and except for the company, and I was teasing a little bit. But um, I actually, you know, I, I work out up at the training center doing CrossFit three or four days a week, and besides getting back in in better shape than I've ever been, uh, it, it's really been nice to even have more in depth conversation with the officers up there, and get to even know them a little bit better on a personal level and what's going on in their lives and just have some fun conversations too mm -hmm. and talking about life and I really have uh, thoroughly enjoyed being able to do that so that's been a, a double win for me getting back in in great shape and just having more personal time with the men and women of the Lafayette Police Department who in my mind are second to none to anybody in the United States. I don't want to make it about fitness, but that's been a game changer up there, hasn't it? It has. As far as having their own facility to train at and 
we've really seen uh, a big change in our officers physically, mentally. I was even talking to the sheriff the other day at, at training, and he said that he's noticed a big change in, in our in LPD's officers. So uh, thank you, because I know that you had to probably sign off on that. So it's <laughs> – Right. I mean, you know, it's it's been a good investment for us. Uh, you know, it's good because it, it, it makes uh, being able to get to train easier because it's right there at the training facility. So whether you're coming on duty, getting off duty or your lunch hour or before work or after work. So the, so just physically, it makes it easier. And then the job that you and several others done getting it set up with the right equipment, getting the instructors uh, and having people there working out in groups and stuff, I think has changed the mentality in a lot of ways and stuff and I think it's been a plus and again just the camaraderie piece even the guys that and the gals that work together I mean it's different when you're working out together too right yeah. and, and you're pushing each other and cheering each other along and it's just another level of that closeness that's important in, in law enforcement for all of us to have absolutely I know, I, under, I know that the officers with LPD feel like you're one of theirs and there's a, a special bond there and that you've supported them so much over the years, what with technology and advancements in, in all the tools that they need for policing. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your thinking behind that and how what you've done to support LPD and, and move them into the next century? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, coming from that background and, and the chief, uh, the chief, says to me, not on a regular basis, but on, once in a while he says, I'm sure glad we have a mayor who's a policeman that understands what we're going through and what it takes to get it done, because there has been a tremendous amount of changes. You know, back when I worked, we had very little technology, three, basically three radio stations, F1, F2, and then one other station on the radio. We didn't have the in-car computers. We didn't have access to a lot of the information that we that we have right now. And so, uh, you know, law enforcement's really changed. And I, and I would say, while the technology makes some things easier, you know, law enforcement is much harder now than it was, you know, when I was on, even um, because the back then, uh, you know, you pretty much knew who you were dealing with. If there was a burglary, we could just about tell by how it was done and what was taken. We had a pretty good idea who in town did that, right? And there were other types of crimes like that, that just based on the MO, we had a good idea where to go start talking and, and we knew people and it was much easier, I think, um, to communicate. Now, uh, criminals are, are much more mobile. Uh, they're much more sophisticated. They have the same advantages of the technology that we have, but they just use it for inappropriate means and, and for, for criminal activity. And so, you know, when I look at those officers and I think uh, all that they have to do and know and all the gear they carry, I, sometimes I wonder how they get in and out of the vehicles almost compared to the very limited gear that we carried uh, back then. Um, it, it really is is amazing, and the diversity of situations that they have to deal with, and the types of decisions, uh, and some of those are are the same, and some of the basic principles of law enforcement are the same. You know, you have to be able to work with people, you have. To
have to be a good communicator. Um, you have to be able to get information out of people maybe when they don't even want to give it to you by the way that you're able to talk and frame your questions. And, you know, you have to drive, have that drive to really serve and protect. And I know that's more than just a motto for the people that are in this profession to be the guardians uh, of the community. And so there are some basic things um, that are still the same, but there is a lot, you know, with the changing court decisions and kind of the ever, ever evolving uh, communities that we have. Um, and people are so mobile these days. So even criminals can move so easily from community to community. And so, you know, it's imperative that we ensure that, that the men and women of the Lafayette Police Department and records and dispatch and all the people that contribute to this department uh, have the our absolute support, that they have the technology uh, necessary, whether it's a taser or it's a computer or it's the app that they need on the phone or it's a, our RMS system or our CAD system or the way that we do evidence or CSI um, and all of those things, it's absolutely imperative that they have all the tools and the training uh, necessary to one keep them absolutely safe and send them home to their families each and every night and to protect uh, the citizens of this community to the utmost of our ability uh, to keep people safe and uh, they do have a hundred percent of my support and they'll always have a hundred percent of my support and they will we will do everything we can from the vehicles that we buy to the way that we equip them to the way that we look at equipment for the SWAT team and the special operations team the drug task force the street crimes unit all those specialties down to our canines you know we're going to do our best to be the best equipped uh, to Department, the best trained department that we can possibly be. So with that being said, I mean, to have a, a city like Lafayette that thrives, I mean, a big part of the reason we thrive and it's a safe and beautiful community is because of the police department. I mean, I hate to kind of to brag on this, but is that fair to say? I mean, is that an element you look at when you're building or we, we do events or building buildings and whatnot, like the police have to be a part of that, correct? Absolutely. You know, we talk about in our staff meetings, the role that, uh, you know, everyone plays and whether it's an economic development, quality of life in the community, those types of things. To the, so we have a, uh, a growing, prosperous community with good jobs, uh, good amenities, uh, good educational process. But you know, none of that really is possible without uh, a strong commitment to law enforcement and a strong commitment to public safety. Uh, if people don't feel safe in a community or they don't feel like they have a, a strong police department, they don't have a relationship with the police department, um, then it's hard to have any of those other things. And it's hard for people to make investments in your community when you don't have that type of stability. And, you know, here, um, we do a lot of things uh, from the community outreach that we do uh, to all of the programs that we sponsor and just to the philosophy that we bring. You know, we bring a, uh, a 
public servant community policing philosophy to the city of Lafayette. And uh, I think people, you know, people know that. They have a lot of respect uh, for our police department, the men and women of our department. They know that we are out there every day working hard to keep this community safe, to bring people to justice, to protect the weak, uh, to help people that are in very difficult uh, situations. And they know that we we live that creed, we live that motto, and we uh, we do that. And I think because of that, that plays a major factor in the prosperity that we have because people know that we're going to work day in and day out to keep them safe and they feel safe. I mean, we know that um, if you're not involved with drugs and types of different types of criminal activity, your uh, chance of being a victim of a crime in this community is still very, very small. And I don't want to say it's zero because there's, I don't care if you're in New York City, Lafayette, Indiana, or rural America, you still have a chance of being a victim of a crime. That's just the nature of the mobility of society anymore. Um, but People know the effort that we put in, or they know the quality of the people that we hire. We talk repeatedly about what it takes to get through our process, uh, hiring process, and the FTO program. And uh, that sends a strong message. You know, our UCR Part 1 crimes uh, last year at the lowest level going back to 2004, robberies are way down. And uh, like I said, you know, there are times when things happen um, that we can't always control. uh, And that's just life because, you know, human beings and sometimes crimes that are more violent are crimes of passion. And they happen or people are involved in the drug trade. But the reality is is our department is very aggressive about working to solve those crimes, about keeping uh, people safe, and then also using technology, using data. You know, we're getting ready to open, well, the ARC is open, and we're going to be showing that to the media here pretty soon to, and to the community about what we're doing down there, the way that we're gathering data and using the next levels of tech- technology to keep the community safe. And I think people are going to be very impressed uh, that a community our size has some of the tools that we have and that we're going to be be using, and we're going to continue to do that. We're going to stay progressive. We're going to stay looking forward, <clears throat> excuse me, in the way that we do uh, everything that, that we do, and uh, we're going to keep this community safe. And again, uh, I think the men and women of our department are second to none, and I know they're committed to that, and the stats are going in the right way, and they, they show that, but that's, you know, that's not all of it. All, you know, the stats don't tell the whole story. It is the other things we do, like next door, like these podcasts, like the training we give on uh, keeping your home safe or your business safe, all those little intangible things, too, and the way that we do community outreach, whether it's at Halloween or uh, other programs that we're involved with to build that personal relationship with people that you can trust us, you can talk to us, we're here for you, we're part of the community, you are the community, and we're all in this together, and I think we're doing a very good job of that. I I would agree with that, and I think that's been a, a major shift in the last generation is the community policing thing. Um, there were some stat. You, you slipped a stat in there about the Uniform Crime Report. And I'd like you to repeat that. There's, and ask you what you would share with the people who say that crime is rampant in Lafayette, and how do we increase awareness of the situation? Sure. And well, like I said, you know, sometimes there are incidents that happen, and they get, um, you know, they get a lot of, of, of 
press time, and that's okay. I mean, that's just part of it. But with people with iPhones and, and different media, you see things over and over and over again. And so sometimes it can create a, a perception of the amount of incidents that are actually happening in the community. And that's why the UCR Part 1 crimes are really important. I mean, they're, the FBI tells us how we have to categorize those and what the parameters for those are. And we have to report those. So those are a very consistent way of showing from year to year exactly what you know crime is doing. And, and the, the stats for 2018 uh, in those categories in total were lower than the total uh, in 2004. So that's a very uh, good barometer for us. And, and you know, people talk about uh, homicides sometimes. Well, the community has grown, uh, but when you look at the population of the community and you look at homicides per thousand, it's actually much lower than it has been in, in different years over the period of the community. I, I looked back at one time and, and I didn't go back forever, but I went back quite a ways, and the most homicides that I could find in city limits of Lafayette was seven in 1977. And uh, that's, a, that's a long time ago. when the In city, one calendar year, you mean? One calendar oh, okay. year when the city was quite small. Yeah. And we've had two years of five, once in somewhere in the 80s, and then once in the year in the early 2000s, and then it's been four, three, two. So if you look back, there's actually been quite a bit of consistency over time. And when you look at how the population has grown, I, I think it just speaks volumes to the police department and to the community and the work that's being done on next door and citizens working with the police department to bring forth information, taking ownership in their neighborhoods, uh, reporting things to us and being willing uh, to get involved. And so if you really, if you take the um, emotion out of it and you take just what you visually see and you really look at the data and you look at what's really happening, then, uh, you know, for a community that's growing, and there always will be some growing pains, uh, you know, we're doing very we're doing very, very well here. And it, it shows because we have new businesses that continue to come here. We have businesses that continue to invest here, millions of dollars. And, you know, they wouldn't be doing that in a community where they didn't believe we had a strong public safety record. I know we don't get to when, you know, when you were a police officer, you said when a crime was committed, you probably had a good idea who it was, right? Because the community was smaller and you had, uh, you were able to, I guess we'll say walk walk the beat you had your area you knew the people there right right and as lafayette grows that's kind of harder to do is that fair to say i mean the the beats are getting bigger and it's just hard for us to to have that more intimate relationship with everybody in your beat but with technology i think we've done a pretty good job of giving outlets for people to communicate with us and that's just interesting to kind of look and see the difference of you know you could probably engage with officers a little easier in the 80s and 90s right because the police department in the city was smaller but as we get bigger we still have those outlets so that's neat that you allow and that we've you know taken that because i know there's a lot of police departments that don't have the ability to have community out outreach right right no, we, we made a commitment to have then that that department that division and continue to grow that and that's a that's a key that relationship with the community and as you know uh, chief flannelly is very big on technology and in fact there's some folks here in town today that we're looking at some next level technology for the police department that allows everyone to have those tools because you know criminals are much 
they're so more mobile and you know it would it would be rare that uh not and i'd say it never would happen that somebody would come in here from another city and commit a crime well you know i know now from looking at investigations that happens a lot people yeah. come in here do something and leave they're not necessarily from here or even stay here they might have some acquaintances here but they come so you end up trying to track people down all over the country yeah and we didn't have to we had to do some of that but not near at the level now if there was a crime here we probably knew it was somebody fairly local within a fairly small geographical area and and that part has really changed where people can jump in cars they can get on the internet and they can know every street every address every alley before they get here that's true where every hotel is where every place they could turn I never to get back that. to the interstate i mean you can just pull it up on the on google maps and know where the tree is you want to hide under almost <laughs> right if you need to yeah. get away i mean it's just it's 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 very very different there, there was a, a whole shift i remember uh well it's probably been a number of years ago when my husband was on dtf drug task force and i remember him telling me that the tools that the police officers used in this case uh, cameras on surveillance vans they were casing a house or watching a house and the people in the house had cameras pointing out and that's like oh oh my gosh the whole world has changed now the criminals are using our tools and that's just you have to continue to fight that as it goes and everybody's getting more sophisticated with the technology so it's it's impressive that the police have managed to managed to have made such an effort to um, stay on top of things and i think are winning this well, we, we have to be progressive, right? Because right. if not, because they're always looking for that upper hand. Right. The and that's, what are the, always... that's what the arc represents. Absolutely. That next step in us trying to stay ahead of that curve with some software. That, like I said, quite frankly, I doubt if there's going to be many police departments in the country our size that will have the software and the things that we will we, that we will be doing for different types of analysis, manpower, allocation, and different things. I don't want to say too much right yet, but different things like that that will really help us keep keep a step ahead. And a, and a little plug there: we are hiring, and we do have the best, right, sir? We got the best <laughs> equipment, training, like you said, second to none. So if you're interested, best opportunities, best opportunities, Lafayette Police Department. Look for uh, Lieutenant Milady. And we're super friendly over here. What's that? We're all super friendly. We're all super friendly. You're always super friendly, Patty. Well, thank you, Ian. So are you. As uh, as far as new technology, we're implementing drones quite yes. a bit now for the safety of our citizens and helping officers conduct investigations. So yeah. um, also, you know, the body cams and the car cams, I just think you know, allowing this technology for our officers to be able to more quickly, you know, analyze what's going on is just outstanding. It, it makes a big difference. And, you know, the drones, as, as you said, Tom, you know, they, they have some great capabilities and we use them on uh, Brady Lane and the neighborhoods the other day during the storm too to help us get an idea on how to direct resources where they might be needed the most, the quickest, and even on, on the cleanup. And, uh, you know, I think as the 
again, without letting too much information, as the ark be, continues to progress, you know, we're looking at the ability to uh, live feed that drone video into the ark. We're looking at the ability to live feed body cam into the ark. And, uh, you know, even as we, we move down the road, uh, private businesses and other folks that want to help us and work with us will be able to uh, give us access to some of their cameras and we'd be able to pull stuff up live, real live. And at the schools, if God forbid there was ever an incident at the schools, the cameras that they have. And so it's going to make a big difference in overall safety for the community, safety for our officers and the amount of information that they will have even going to a scene and being able to see in real time things that are that are happening and uh, um, it, it's really uh, amazing uh, how I think it will also help us do some predictive analytics. You know, we have recently hired a, uh, we had a criminal analyst and, and Steve retired and we've hired another and we actually have a opening again. So if we have anybody out there that's interested, <laughs> we want to have two, uh, two analysts on staff so we can continually, uh, you know, be looking at that data because that's important. I, I saw a study um, a while back where uh, of all the data collected in the world, and it's an unbelievable amount, only like 1% of it is actually analyzed. And we are committed here to make sure that's not the case, that we are analyzing a, a significant amount of the data that we gather and actually using it then to make informed decisions and operational uh, strategies, to put operational strategies in place that we think will continue to keep the city safe and even make it safer. So you have that unique perspective uh, from being a police officer and now being mayor. So I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, easier for you to probably, I don't know, pay that upfront expense to you know make sure that the police department have what they have because then it paid tenfold because it makes our community safer, brings those businesses in, right? right? And so do you ever have mayors or community leaders come to you from other other cities and like, how did you do it? Well, you know, you know, how did you uh, help make Lafayette grow the way it's growing? Yeah, we, we've had we've had folks come in from a lot of different cities and, and we have a lot of people look at the police department, the fire department. Uh, all the way down, quite frankly, to engineering and sanitation and our and our parks. Uh, the people are, are trying to see how we build those relationships and those collaborations in particular that allows us to get, you know, a lot of those projects done in the community to prosper. And of course, some of it has to do, a lot of it has to do with the relationship that we have with West Lafayette and the county and how mm -hmm. we all work together here and pool our resources and pull on the same side of the rope. We've had people come here ask how we do the ordinance enforcement, how we do unsafe structures, how do we how do we get to where we could tear down things that were not contributing to the community anymore that needed to get uh, tore down. So yeah, we actually do have um, quite a few folks that uh, will stop in here from different communities and look at different things that we do and we always share with them. We have lots of communities that came up and look at Matchbox when we first got it open that wanted to figure out how to get a co-working studio opened in, in their community and so, and that's good. We should share. We want, we want all of our cities to be in good shape. We want our region to be in good shape and of course the whole state of Indiana when we, when we can help make everybody win it's, it's better for all of us and we're all going to be uh, more prosperous. So if you had to say in, in your mind what, what's probably the biggest challenge for the city in the next five to ten years, what, what would that be? 
because there's a lot of growth. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've been blessed here. As you know, we have more jobs than we have people right now. So, uh, you know, that will be one of them is continuing on that workforce development track that we're on. How do we, we have a goal through Greater Lafayette Commerce that we want to attract uh, an additional 25,000 people to Tippecanoe County by the year 2026. Uh, we know with the retirements that we have in some of our industry and the new jobs that we'll be creating, we're going to need people to continue uh, to move here to fill those jobs. As you know, the Lafayette, West Lafayette, Tippie New School Corporation is getting ready to open the Vocational Tech High School out at the old Lafayette Life Building uh, there at 18th and Teal. Uh, you know, when we first announced that, I, that day I said, I don't know if there's a silver bullet in economic development, but if there is, I think this high school is about as close as you can come. And after we get both phases done, you know, people that not everybody needs a four-year college degree, right? We have great jobs at, at Caterpillar and Subaru and GE and uh, Vorvog and Arconic and Nonshan and Kirby Risk and Heartland Automotive. And I mean, the list just goes on and on. Uh, and be able to take uh, students uh, and help them get some of that training while they're in high school, maybe even some of the certifications, internships. Uh, so when they leave, some of them may still need a two-year degree or some certification. Some of them will be able to go right into that workforce. And uh, I think that's going to be a big piece for us in filling some of those those jobs. You know, we we know that uh, in, in rough numbers between Lafayette, West Lafayette, and uh, Tippecanoe County, we lose about about 500 kids a year probably that kind of leave high school. Uh, they don't seek any four-year degree, two-year, no apprenticeships, no certifications. We just kind of lose them out to, you know, maybe other jobs that are really not going to provide them the quality of life that we'd like them to have, and we need them, right? And so we, we do believe if we can get them a little earlier, and if you look at things now that are being done all the way down into fifth grade at Sunnyside, up through Tecumseh, now with this, what we're doing with Manufacturing Week through Greater Lafayette Commerce, uh, what the building trades are doing, uh, what the uh, home builders are doing. You know, we have little robotics camps now that kids go to as young as kindergarten, first, second grade, trying to get people and our young people interested in the types of jobs that we have here. And so there is a huge push. Uh, on on economic development, workforce development. So that'll be one of the things we can't let up on. Uh, as we all know, and we've never buried our head here about it in Lafayette and Tippecanoe County, and I think that's great. We could continue to fight uh, uh, the opioid situation and the drug situation, and I do believe as a state with the changes in laws and some of the pharmacy practices, what we're doing on the law enforcement side, the work here uh, on the ment with the mental health folks in the United Way, I think we're making progress on that and we need to continue to do that and always hit that straight on. So that will be one and then we'll always it will be having the funds for infrastructure, right? We're very aggressive here uh, with water, sewer, stormwater and our roads uh, to make sure that we can handle the growth and that make sure that we never have to tell a business, well, yeah, we'd love to have your factory. If you wait for two years, we'll upgrade to wastewater treatment plant and you can come. Well, 
you're off the list, right? They're never going to do that. So we keep making those investments. You probably recently saw where uh, Renew, uh, with some of the work that we've done, increased its capacity. We're in great shape. We could handle any business, many businesses for decades uh, to come now, and they were named a... Uh, uh, utility of the future, only 32 in the whole country that were named that. Uh, and we're doing work right now with our water department to put in another water tower, another booster station, um, and all of those things. We took on Sagamore Parkway, giant five-year project to redo it, Earl Avenue. Uh, so we're just going to continue to be aggressive on our infrastructure, but you have to be able to pay for that. And so the funding to pay for that will all, I think, probably will always be a challenge. Yeah, those are things that some people probably don't even think about. I know I don't. I, I guarantee you they don't. Most of the people don't. Kind of switching gears here, I know the park. Let's talk about the parks. Yeah. Because we've got a lot of people driving by down the, by the park and are like, wow, that looks really cool. What we got going on down You know, there? We're, we're really excited. As, as When you look at economic development uh, and you look at quality of life, you know, you really do look at those uh, amenities that people in our community want from – the youngsters to the senior citizens that are still young at heart, uh, to people with families, to people that are single and, and all the different lifestyles. And so, you know, we work hard on that. And so at the park now, we're doing all kinds of things. We're building a new baseball stadium uh, that will be the home of the Jefferson Broncos and, and the Lafayette Aviators. And But it'll also be able to host a soccer team. It'll be able to, you could actually play a football game there. We're having it wired uh, so you could have concerts there without having to bring in generators, just play plug-in. We'd like to have car shows and boat shows, and we want to do all kinds of different things there that really uses that stadium as a multi-use facility that promotes quality of life in our community. As you mentioned, we got two really cool water slides that's in uh, Tropicanoe Cove now, and uh, we've kind of did a soft opening, and people are using them, and they they love them, and that's just a really uh, neat amenity. The uh, penguin exhibit is under construction. We're bringing penguins. When we did several studies, that always rose to the top as an exhibit people would like to see as penguins. So we're bringing a penguin exhibit. And after that, we'll be working on the primates. We're bringing back the carousel. So you'll see a new carousel in uh, Columbian Park over the next year, year and a half. And then we're doing a massive project that hasn't been done literally in decades and decades. We're going to rebuild the entire lagoon at Columbian Park. And if you've been up there, it, it needs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to drain it. We're going to fix the bottom. We're going to fix all the seawalls, put in new stuff all the way around Memorial Island, create uh, places for people with uh, disabilities to uh, to uh, fish and do some things like that. We're going to bring back the paddle boats. It'll have all new. Hey. It'll have all new all new bridges <laughs> for people. That, to cross. That's new information, right? We get to well, share. We get to break that here a little well, bit. Well, I, I, I talked about it in my state of the city address. Oh, but, okay. Uh, I must have missed the paddle boats. And then part. the uh, really the neat thing. Well, I'm. I might have not talked about that specifically. Then the neat thing we're going to do at Memorial Island specifically is behind the seats now where, where you have the concrete, we're going to bring in thousands of cubic yards of dirt, and we're actually going to build a hill out into the lagoon, and it'll be with grass and trees so families that want to set up there and have picnics and watch the shows 
on the stage area at Memorial Island that don't want to sit in the seats will actually have grass area to picnic and then we'll, we'll design the slope so you'll be able to see down over the people's heads and to watch the because we think we'll have a lot more things happening there and then we're going to build a, a boardwalk around that so you'll be able to walk around that kind of from bridge to bridge and back to uh, Memorial Island so you know some cool amenities in Columbian Park we're also getting ready to finish up the uh, Crosser Sports Complex uh, our girls it's long overdue for our girls to have their own uh, softball complex here in the community with four fields out there that we're uh, really proud of and that's getting ready uh, to finish up also and so and where's that at sir that's out that? off um, Elston Road out there off uh, kind of there in the southwest part of the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we're excited about what that means. We're going to do some more streetscape projects. And if you've been downtown lately, you know it's booming. The mark is finished. Star City Crossing is going up beside us here. And uh, Dennis Carson and myself are talking to three or four other developers that are looking at putting up new buildings in downtown Lafayette. And we've recently purchased the Lafayette Theater. And we're going to work to really turn that into a uh, first-class entertainment venue. And for me, I call it my three L's, Lafayette, uh, the, the Lafayette Theater, the Long Center, and Loeb Stadium. So between those three, we really want to increase the entertainment opportunities for everyone in our community. All the different things that people are interested in, the different price points uh, for people to make sure everybody gets an opportunity and local talent can really be showcased here and do some cool things. So we're, we're excited. Yeah, I'm, I love it. I love it. We, uh, I know my family. We we go downtown and you know enjoy the new restaurants, uh, Brew Burger. We love it. We've been there a handful of times. Uh, there's a bunch of other and, and the uh, the pinball place down there. Yeah, I know that's not really a city the, the, thing, but thing, yeah, the amusement cool. super awesome. Yeah, I, but, go, I go in there myself. I like that place. Heck yeah, that's <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Have you been there, Patty? Um, I haven't been there, but you know I do enjoy walking around downtown. I just wanted to remind people we have no parking meters in Lafayette, Indiana. That's right. That's incredible. It that really is. is. And our, you know our parking garage is free after, at. After over, five o'clock. Yeah, after five o'clock and on the weekends, weekends yep. all weekend long. And there's no place you can't walk to from the parking garage. Well, a normal person. But mm -hmm. it's just incredible the fact that we've got all the surface parking and then we've got the parking garage and no meters. Yep. I didn't even think about you know that. You know what else yeah, is nice. pretty cool is I think a lot of the things that we bring to the downtown area that a lot of communities don't have. You know, the Taste of Tip Canoe, the Mosey Down Main Street this past Saturday, which is always a neat event. And I think we just do a really good job of, of providing those and hosting those types of events that bring Jazz a lot of people. Yeah, the River Jazz Fest. and Blues River Festival. Fest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep, and uh, trying to do some other even small things. And we've got a lot of people downtown, a lot of the, the bars and restaurants that are hosting, you know, live music and some other things. Just a really neat music scene uh, that people are, are, are doing. And, and uh, you know, we're on the cusp of, of being able to continue to, to grow. And, uh, and that's really just a testament to the entire community. Everybody plays a role in that in some way that allows the community to, to grow and, and to prosper and and uh, everybody plays a role in that and now we've even got more housing options for downtown mm -hmm. we do yep with the with the mark and you know people kind of forget um, the very first project that we did downtown um, we broke ground 
I think in 2005 or 2006 was the Renaissance place. And oh, yeah. actually the city was involved in that. We have about $3 million in making sure that that first big project kind of got kicked off downtown. And, and, you know, we have been working ever since to, uh, to create that momentum. And I really feel that we're, we're there now. And like I said, we have a lot of people interested in downtown. And uh, we did the Five Points Redevelopment Plan to help how we, how we kind of link the new baseball stadium down through Five Points, down the hill into downtown, all the way to the riverfront. And the work that uh, the Wabash River Enhancement Corporation is doing the work that we're doing with public art. Um, you know, I really feel that we have the catalyst and the pieces in place. Um, we've made great progress, but to really exponentially continue that, that progress into the future. Yeah, I've been here all my life, and it's been neat to see Lafayette grow. I kind of kicked off for a minute. Cut out. Uh, it's been it really neat to see Lafayette grow. And, you know, at one point in my life, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll move somewhere else. But, I mean, now it's just like, there's no need to go anywhere else. I mean, really, there is just so much, so much to do, and uh, it's been awesome to see from my my perspective and people that come here. I mean, it's just it's just a lot of fun, and it's awesome, and it's going to keep going, right? We're going to keep going. Yeah. So, with that being said, obviously, you have a lot going on. Obviously, he's the mayor. He's uh, got a lot going on. He's the mayor. <laughs> he has a lot going on. What uh, what would you what do you want to get done? before you're done being mayor? I mean, what's, do you have like one goal in mind? Am That's I a loaded on the spot? question. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, right? That's a good question. It is. It is. Let's, let's, let's give Mayor Rosorski a chance to say that he's not done being mayor. Yeah. Well, I understand <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. But, I mean, is there, do you have something in mind? You're like, I want this to be complete before I well, leave that position. You're looking for a legacy. Sure. Well, I mean, I, first and foremost, I mean, uh, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I've always kept my, my promise that, that I made 16 years ago to people that I would be open and accessible. And I was a working mayor and I didn't, I wasn't taking a position. I was taking a job and that's the way I'm going to continue to do that. And, and we'll continue to do projects that uh, move the community forward and position it. You know, I have four kids and six grandkids and, and I want them to have everything here that they want to have. Uh, so they want to stay here too. And so we'll continue to do those, those projects that make that happen and then position the community well for whoever comes along um, next at some point to be able to to continue that. And I think that's incredibly important. So uh, I do want to see the baseball stadium done and the park totally finished. Uh, and I want to see some more segments of uh, uh, the riverfront promenade and some of the development along the Wabash River uh, completed and a couple more buildings, um, you know, downtown. And then the, our big goal through REC is to get a second bridge, you know, built across the Wabash River that links there on the west side on Brown Street at the Brown Street Overlook and create that second, I, and that iconic bridge that really draws your attention from a long way away and creates that second loop that allows people to move back and forth. Because if you've heard me and uh, Mayor Dennis and myself speak with the State Street Project and how that ties into what REC is doing and his goal for creating a new downtown, our goal is that people would be able to come to West Lafayette and Lafayette and move back and forth between the two bridges 
and with the amenities and with the way we're laying out the promenades and the projects from REC that would go in West Lafayette too, that you'd literally move back and forth and you would think you were in this large metropolitan community with all this public art and these restaurants and music, riverfront, and just tons of things to do, right? And you'd feel like, oh, I am in this big, big city and be so cool. But then at the end of the night, you go back to these two really safe communities where you can still get to work in 15 minutes. You can go home over your lunch and let your dog out. You can get your kid, uh, if he forgets his tennis shoes or she forgets uh, you know, her tennis racket or whatever, you can get them to their school and get them dropped off or their instrument. And you're in these two wonderful communities that provide this really neat, small town feel for that kind of stuff. But you still go to these places downtown and just have this feel like there's no other amenity I, I, could, I could possibly want. This is where I want to be, and that's our goal. So I'd like to get that as close as possible before I'm, I'm finished, too, because that'll, that'll help project the community for decades into the future. Absolutely. That's yeah. awesome that they're working together. That's yeah, you guys, I, obviously, you guys are close friends, you and Mary Dennis, uh, but uh, it's cool that you're working together and you're going to make it flow and feel like one so yeah and i think anybody that knows the mayor knows that he's pretty passionate about a lot of things but partnerships at the at the front and that's yep. where it starts and whether it's working with businesses in the community or citizens or officials you know in west lafayette i mean that's that's how you get things done you got to build those relationships and build that trust and so people will work with you and pull alongside you or even if you don't always agree exactly people no, you know, well, around here, maybe I don't agree exactly, but I know they're doing the right things for the right reasons, the best they feel. There's just, you know, nobody's in this for themselves. Everybody's just in it for the, the good of the, the community, and how do we get there? But with competition, you don't like to lose, and we're coming for you, Mayor Dennis, <laughs> at Riverfest this year. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's true. I don't mind beating John at Riverfest. That, 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 that's fine. That's uh, fine. That's awesome. So, did we cover everything? I think I, we've covered quite a bit. Well, Patty, it, do you have there anything? Any, is there so, anything else you want to share? Yes. Yeah, is there anything you want to tell the citizens? Just, uh, yeah, just uh, one more time. First of all, you know, thank you to the Lafayette Police Department for and and marketing and IT and everybody that works together to do this cod, the, this podcast and all of our uh, community outreach, whether it's our Facebook, Twitter, next door. Uh, I want to thank everybody because that getting that information out to our citizens, building those relationships, letting people have that engagement, that level of transparency is uh, just incredibly important. So I want to thank everybody that takes the time to do it because not a lot of places go to this level, quite frankly, to do what we're doing and that's important. So thank you to you. And then again, to the men and women of the Lafayette Police Department and the dispatchers and everybody in records, uh, you know, that every day goes out there and risk it all to keep us uh, safe and uh, puts others before themselves. Just a sincere, heartfelt uh, uh, thank you. And uh, I will always have their back. And uh, 
appreciate that. And to, and then to all the citizens, we got great people, right? You can't have a great community without great people that are willing to work hard, do the right things, volunteer in their schools, volunteer for Read to Succeed, United Way agencies set on boards and commissions, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts give back to their church, the faith-based organizations that help us. If you don't have people that are doing that, I mean, you're just not going to be successful. And, you know, when we got the North End Community Center done and the YMCA done, those, those both uh, got national tax credits. I mean, not many communities got two projects in one year for projects that size and was able to pull that off. That just doesn't happen very often. No, yeah. Well, go ahead, sir. No, I was going to say we appreciate you being here, Mayor. We really do. Thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. This has been Inside the Squad, a podcast from the Lafayette Police Department in Lafayette, Indiana. Inside the Squad is a community outreach podcast and is hosted by Specialist DNO Shields and Captain Brian Phillips. On this episode of Inside the Squad, we were joined by Mayor Tony Roseworski of the city of Lafayette. Tony retired after serving as a police officer from 1983 to 2003 in many positions and rising in the ranks throughout his career. Tony has been mayor of Lafayette since being elected in 2003. Be sure to join us on Instagram, Twitter, Nixle, and Nextdoor. And you can email show ideas and questions to us at podcast at lafayette.in.gov.